It's that time of week, folks. Sit back and relax as you join us on Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. My name is John, and again, I'm joined by my buddy over here, Nate. Nate, how's it going, brother? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, keeping warm, beautiful weather up here in upstate New York. Finally. Finally. Yeah. Yeah, spring is here, which is awesome. So, uh, But yeah, so this is Easter week, so first off, happy Easter to all our listeners. Hope you're enjoying the holiday if you uh celebrate take part with it <laughs> hopefully the you, easter bunny brought you some candy and if you don't well um we hope it was a beautiful day and uh you know yeah easy kiddings and good milkings um, well, <laughs> good milkings uh so how was your week man on the <laughs> uh, so what was what was your week like dude um, for once, it was actually pretty quiet. Um, That's good. Let's see here. We got, um, through the course of the week, we ended up getting one stall. We have six stalls throughout our barn. We got one done. We worked on another one today. We'll probably finish it tomorrow after chores. Um. The snow is finally gone, so we can finally get to our uh, manure pile. Um, you know, it, it, it is. It's to get those doughs back, you know, in a cleaner barn, cleaner pen. Um, they're out, you know, we were talking throughout the week about, you know, the grass graining up and it's just getting there here. Um, no, no tufts of grass sticking up much in central New York, though everything is starting to turn green. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Spring is here in New York. I saw robins the other day, a, a bunch of them going after worms. And, and it's just like when – at least in New York, when you see robins, you know spring's here. So I was like, yes, yep. okay, here we go. And uh, we- the, the grass is starting to green up here. Actually, probably Monday I'll be able to get the does out on uh, a pasture that's pretty lush. And, uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be hitting the ground running with that. We, we have four does left to freshen, maybe five, depending on blood tests. Mm-hmm. We dropped off blood tests uh, yesterday, and then we also have sent our scales in to be certified for DHI. We have milk tests coming up here shortly. I've decided uh, I'm have... not going to do DHI this year. Um, mm-hmm. I got a lot going on this year. Uh, I just It's just something that I think... I'd rather take part in linear appraisal if it happens and 
I just think Milk Test isn't in 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 the cards for us this year. So that'll be a next year ordeal. Well, we'll try to keep uh, uh, keep you informed on how things go at least, and oh yeah, year, definitely get you in there. I understand, you know. I think there's a lot of value. Milk Test is a, one of those pedigree builders. Um, I used to think that it was, you know, used to 20, 30 years ago, think that having you heard a milk test was kind of uh, ridiculous. But now uh, now that, you know, we're doing it, you know, we have a number of does in our herd who are, you know, homebred you know, milk stars, multiple well, generations. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not discounting got, the program. Right. But in your situation, you've got, what, three or four does? I have four does. I have... And how many are uh, you planning to keep around of those four? Or I'm, I'm sorry. I forgot. One of my does died. I have three does in milk. Right. So, so. you've got three does in milk. It, it may not necessarily... I mean, to get someone out there to do it, you could do owner sampler. I'm probably um, going to do a one day test and just do that. If see how they do. Yeah. yeah, that's it. I'll probably have Danielle come out and do a one day test and then call it good. Um, it's just, it's not, it's a great program and it's, it, it is great data, especially since, hello, they're dairy goats. So you want to see how they're producing as a dairy animal. I get it 100%. It's just this year is just not going to. You've, you've got fly. a newborn. She's under going to be under a year old while you're doing all this. Um, show season is going to be totally different. Mm-hmm. I mean, it may not to- be totally different as far as what the shows are, but it may be in where they are, how they are. Um, yeah. That's going to affect, uh, have a number of, factors affecting things um i i get it i understand i still think it it's something you you should do um when you're able to yeah um, and that's in the cards down the road just not this year yeah at, at least for like the full on milk test you know one day test maybe but um so yeah anyway speak since we we're talking about my herd and milk test uh slow week nothing really going on kids are looking good I've got, I have gem kids that were born. I mentioned last week on the podcast and still waiting for them to unfold a little bit more. Probably about another three days, I'll get an idea of what they're really looking for, like what they're looking like and decide if I'm going to keep that Carla doling or that gem doling. Uh, Right now I'm kind of leaning towards that Carla doe kid just because uh, she looks longer bodied um, and that is deep in the rump. But yeah, so that's what's going on in my farm. Um, I I would say with the length of body one, it's I've had a lot of old dairy goat folk say that you know it's harder to get the length of body than it is to change general appearance. You can change general appearance in a generation or two, but to get mm-hmm. that length of body can be a bit harder than not and it's also it's it's tough to judge kids because i've got these one group of kids are almost three weeks old in fact they might be three weeks old i have to look 
Um, and then I've got these gem kids that are just about to be a week old. So it's like, you know, I've got these bigger kids that are starting to really come into their own. And I've got these newborns that are still like just fit, finding their feet, you know? So oh, it's, I, uh, it's I, a thing. I know. <laughs> you know, I've got a pair of kids right now. I'm looking at the, the youngest ones are probably about a week, week and a half old. Um, and, you know, Jen's like, you know, which one, you know, are we going to keep these? We should sell these because they're, you know, they've got to compete against the other animals in the barn. And, you know, that's how we look at it is we, we try to look at what we've got mm-hmm. keeping and try to keep the ones we think have the most promise. And, you know, the unfortunate part for these two little ones is, um, you know, they're competing against some stellar kids. Um, and they're nice little dolings. They're just, are they as nice as the other ones, the older kids? And I don't know. You know, there's one of the two that the longer we we take a look at her, the nicer she's looking. She is very long-bodied, level, as you said. Great width between the hocks. Um, there's some areas on her that I think need improvement, and that may be why if we sell her, we sell her. But I think well, that's, that's moving into our topic for later. Yeah, well, I was going to say, we'll... we'll uh... We'll save all that for the topic. Although, I agree with uh, your wife, Jen. You can't keep them all neat. I know. <laughs> I know. We were having a discussion uh, earlier in the week, folks, and I was like, well, can't keep them all. And Jen goes, I know. That's what I said. She is a lovely kid. So I get I get the dilemma that's going in, you know, on in your brain right now. That's for sure. Well, and, and <laughs> that is the problem. You know, we've got... The 4-H animals, you, which we we try not to, uh, we don't just turn to our kid and go, you're keeping that one. You're selling that one. We don't do that. We, uh, we let them make their own decisions. And we may give them advice and say, you know, I think that one's going to have a lot better rump. Um, but, you know, so those ones kind of factor into how many we keep. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so anything hey, else uh, new on your farm? Um, our house is finally quiet. We, uh, <laughs> we ordered some, I was going to ask, I'm like, where are the, the turkeys? The, the turkeys have moved off into the barn. Um, we, we <laughs> put them out there yesterday, and then the temperature here dropped to, like, below 20 last night <laughs> we my wife and i walked past them as we were getting ready to come in the into the house from the barn and they're all huddled turkeys are probably amongst the dumbest birds we have on the barn <laughs> um, by far they, they they well i think the guineas have them um but you know here's a heat lamp with food and water near it and under it, and a uh, a heated shelter thing for them to get under, and it's fifteen degrees out. 
Where are those turkey bolts? In the corner, closest to the open door. <laughs> you know, the, the door that's pulling in all this draft and making it cold and chilly. And, and, and they're yeah. all shivering, all puffed up, like, we're going to die. <laughs> you know, so we, we ended up bringing him back into the house for the overnight. <laughs> and uh, tonight's only supposed to be 30. Yeah, it's supposed to hit 35 here tonight. I'm, yeah. I'm debating if I want to go up to the barn and shut the barn door or not. Well, we, we normally shut it down until, shut the barn up until probably the night's hit 45, 50. Um, but we're up on a hilltop. We have, you know, for us to have 25 mile per hour wind, that's a breeze, you know, summer breeze up here. So yep. we usually shut it up at night. We also shut it up at night because we have neighborhood dogs. We have coyotes. We have black bear. Um, well, it, it's funny you mentioned the predators and stuff. Last night, probably about 2 or 3 in the morning, I'm sleeping. And Tierney starts shaking me awake. She's like, John, John, do you hear that? And I'm like, uh, you know, half asleep. I'm like, uh, what? And she goes, listen. And I hear the rah, the the scream of a fox. You know that that really like eerie scream that they do. Yep, yeah. It sounded like it was like inches from our back door of our basement. Which, if you open that door up, there's goat kids to the left. So it's like so. Tierney was like, "Is it in the basement? Did you shut the door?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I shut the door." So then I heard it scream again, this time to the right side of the house. Still close, as all get out. And I'm like, well, it's not in the basement because it's on the other side of the house now. I'm like, so the door's got to be closed. <laughs> so then she was, are you going to shoot it? And I'm like, well, it's not in season. And by the time I get my rifle and get awake enough to be able to operate it, it's going to be gone. And literally 20 seconds later, I hear it probably 40 yards into the woods and i'm like all right i'm going back to bed but it was crazy just like right right by the back door that's nuts do you think they it smelt the, the kids or i could have i mean literally you've been to our house literally it's yeah. it's probably 30 or 40 feet of back yard from the back door of our basement and then it's woods like a yeah. buck pens there and it's in the woods and then you know there's just forest yeah so it, it's not their breeding season or anything like that. So I, it could have smelled the kids or it could have been, you know, our guinea hens always around that area too. So it could have been smelling that. More than likely the guinea hen. Yeah. So I was like, I was just, it was pretty interesting to hear at two or three in the morning that those screams that nobody, I mean, while hunting, walking in the woods early in the morning when it's still dark out and you hear that sound, it makes the hair on the back of your Next, stand right up. I, I, oh, it does it? Does I think it's it's very close to Bobcat scream, which is just as eerie, if not eerier. <clears throat> no, but Bobcat screams, you hear it, and it's like that's an animal that's a bobcat. Yeah, of the fox cry. First off, it's, it's, uh, that's it sounds like a disembodied way. body. It does, and I could easily see it being like the source for numerous 
you know, mythological creatures. Hauntings in the South. You know, haunted (laughs) forest simply being, you know, there's a fox den in the forest, but you hear the cries at night. You know, it's, it it is a very eerie sound. It's right up there. One of the eerie sounds up there with a barn owl, um, which is another one that's, yeah. uh, but so anyway, that, that's the wildlife yeah. portion of the of the podcast. Another time we'll have a wildlife expert on, and uh, we'll, yeah. we'll grill him, and he'll grill us. <coughs> yeah, I'll I'll try my turkey call on when 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 a uh, turkey season opens up on here. Um, so let's move on to some ad good news. Oh boy, you you really want to do that? Yeah, no, looks like there's some here. there's some really positive things on this week's notes so i, I think yeah i, I right. do I'm, I'm excited so linear appraisal the ballot postal ballot passed um Ooh, it took a little bit for, boy took them a little bit two days or such to get to get it announced it's um, a lot of counting me it's a lot of counting um well yeah, yeah, there were what four sections to it. Yeah, section it A, 30, B. What's it? Thirty-one C directors. I mean, come on, man. Each director up. had to vote on on each portion, or you know, yay, nay, or abstain. Yep. Um, but it passed, which um, is amazing, and and thank God it finally passed. That's the good news. Uh, now, here's the crazy mad rush. It's like the California gold rush is what I'm imagining is going to happen Monday morning. <laughs> That's a great analogy for this. Um, there's, they're going to accept applications for linear appraisal until the 15th of April. It's the yep. 3rd. So that's yep. 12 calendar days until they'll accept it, until the deadline. But that's 8 business days before which is just like a week and a half business wise right the form's not even the form's not even available on adga yet yeah the form's not even available in the old form can't be used because there was an issue with the old form which is why the first postal ballot was um done away with and had to go with another postal ballot and so they hopefully they'll post it Monday morning, since they're giving us eight days to sign up for this, which means host herds have to be figured out. People have to figure out that they're going to the host herds, and then it's going to be limited anyway. So you may apply, and it's going to be almost, from the sounds of it, it's going to be kind of like applying for a job. I would like to have linear appraisal, and we'll tell you what whether or not. Well, I don't That's think kind it's of how like I a- take it. I don't think it's going to be like applying for a job. It's literally going to be you apply if there's a host herd or if you're a host herd and there's an appraiser available for whatever date and they take it on, then you'll get it probably. But if it's, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, these appraisers were fired, right? They haven't even been been hired back on yet. They still need to do an appraisal uh, course again, a refresher. Um, possibly yes and and there's going to be people and appraisers in certain areas that have who are judges or do other things during the summer uh, for employment that may have already taken on some jobs 
So it might not be able to jive. So basically what I'm saying is there's people are going to be seen. It's not going to be nearly as many people as, as we want. Like we'd love for everybody to be seen that wants to do it, but it's going to be a a percentage is not going to be able to be tested. And, and that's just the way it is. Well, right. I mean, normally by now, some herds have already been appraised. Right. Normally. And we haven't even had refresher yet. Um, so we're behind the eight ball on that. And, and that's what, where I think I'm getting it, though, is that you may apply for it and you may you say, hey, I want to do this. And they may just say, mm, not nah, this year. You know? So that's where I'm getting at with it. I'm not saying that you're going to apply and they're going to be like, well, you know, we're really looking for someone with a little more skill and set than what you've got. Uh, it's more of a, as you said, there's no one who can, can appraise your area. There's no, we just can't get there. And that may be yeah. what we encounter this year. Um, yeah. Well, thanks thing- goes out to all the committee members that pulled that together and, and the directors for voting on the right postal ballot. Right. Cause there was other ones that were turned down. Right. Um, there was a, a and- previous one that was turned down. Yeah, I believe it was turned down, and so they then voted on this one. And it, um, I'm not sure who somebody had posted uh, the results, and pretty much everybody voted yes to do it. And yeah, there was a couple notes, but that's you know, it is what it is. Not uh, everybody's going to be happy. I, I think if you've looked at the nose, you're going to find that they were uh, things where they just felt there wasn't time to do it or something. I don't know. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, so that, that's that good news. That. Um, do you want me to touch on NG so you don't sound salty? <laughs> well, no, we, we can talk NG. We're going to talk NG. Um, so it still has its hiccups. Obviously, I mean, I still can't register kid goats. Um, well, you can't register people, any goat. Yeah, I can't register anything. I can't transfer anything. Yeah, but that you should be able to transfer things. I haven't tried transferring. I don't have okay, anything yeah. to transfer. Right. Um. The uh, my situation, it though, it does turn out is really weird and old. You know, it goes back... To just old. like you. I know, I'm weird <laughs> and old. You just ask anyone who knows. It goes back to... Um, it recognized that I had been given permission to use my family's herd name and tattoo... Back when I was a kid. Right. And now here I am an adult. And my father has a different herd and different tattoo. And it's trying to give me his ta- his new tattoo. It's interesting. But, but at, at least they're working on it though, right? They are, they are working on it. Um, there was a post put up by uh, Don George. Mm-hmm. recommended, you know, if you really needed to talk to someone, 
you know, message uh, Gary Moore. And so, I'll, you know, email him. And so I did, and Gary's working on it. And Gary's a great guy. He's he's trying. He's He seems to be, you know, from this, what I'm able to see, he's working his tail off. Um, and originally in the post that Don George had put, there was a reference to emailing David Stokes. Don't do that. David's overwhelmed. He's, he's got so much of the things he's trying to deal with, with this whole thing. He can't, you know, if there's something that, that Gary can't deal with or someone else can't deal with, maybe they'll get it to David. But there's so many other things that David's trying to do with this whole thing. Um, so there is progress for me, but it's, it's not the, pro, you know, it's not yet. I don't have, you know, I can't go and register, you know, Joe Kid or Buck Kid. Right. Um, I am seeing a lot of people who are, you know, finally able to access the funds in their account. So I was, I tried the other day registering uh, kids, three Doe Kids, and it all went through and I left them in my cart because I knew that they were talking about bringing the funds over. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to guinea pig this. So I was it last night. I'm guessing. I think it was last night. I don't know. It's everything's so tied together. Um, last night I saw that my funds were in my account, so I was like, "All right, let's try this." So I went through and it, it used my funds, and I was like, "There we go. It works great." And all of the money that I had in my account, I'm pretty sure is there. I have to look back on my bank statements, which I would encourage everybody to do if you had money in your account from Ross. Um, but yeah, so it worked. So that's really encouraging. Um, you know, every every day they seem to be knocking something out or work. they're continuing to work on known issues. If you go to the ADCO website, you can look right on the home screen. It show, I believe it's the home screen. It shows all the issues that are being worked on, that are being backburnered, that are known. Um, so that's good. Um, and, and by the way, when we say they're working on them, they're not working on them Saturday or Sunday. Exactly. Um, they did not work on much, I think, on Friday, this past Friday, mainly because it was Good Friday for mess, many of us. And so there was that going on. Um, you know, it. I will say, though, it's still pretty frustrating for many of us. Um but right. talk to your directors or talk to, you know, contact them and just let them know what you're complaining, even if they can't do anything about it. I did hear from one of our directors who said, quite frankly, she doesn't know that much about computer networks and uh, website development herself. So she doesn't really know... You know, she can take the information and pass it along, but right. so can sending in a support ticket. Well, I'll tell you this much. Um, I think it was last night. I made a post on Facebook uh, saying, hey, if anybody, you know, basically outlining what is going on with NG is valid for every member. Uh, I am by no means a director or part of the IM committee or uh part of the EC or president, nothing like that. Um, but what I am is somebody that can try and help 
in some way. So I offered up my services and said, hey, I can't fix everything. I don't have a magic wand. But if I can talk you through something and try to figure it out with you, I'll do it. I had three people message me. One person couldn't get service memos working correctly. Just so happens that I had created service memos last week uh, for some people that used one of my books. And it worked fine. So I uh, was able to talk to them, walk them through it. They realized that they weren't doing some parts right. Uh, and then it turns out that the dough that was being used in this service memo uh, wasn't in the system because the person that owned the dough hadn't logged into NG yet. And then their goats were not there. So they had to go through a rigmarole and got it fixed today that quick. Uh, so then they were able to process that service memo. And then I had another person, couldn't even log in, talked them through it, got them logged in. Uh, and then I had another person that was having registration issues. And I actually, they did the registration. They couldn't pay. And here's a known issue. If you're paying with a credit card, it starts with a one or a single digit. Put a zero in front of that. So if it's January instead of one twenty-one or one twenty, whatever oh, you, you mean for the date. for expiration. Yep. Yeah, for so the ex expiration the, date, just put a zero in front. Yeah, because it, it, it wants the two-digit month for the expiration date. That's if you've worked in retail recently, that and you ever <laughs> had to enter in a card by hand. Um, that's something that. You have to yeah. remember is, is if it said one on the card, it's actually zero one. Yeah, that's, that's good. And <laughs> I think really the, the thing here is, you know, the, the folk in the office are overwhelmed. Um, really, Gary and David are overwhelmed. Uh, even, you know, Dave Abbott is a bit, he's trying to help, but only to a certain extent that he can. Um, and he's trying to help. Our directors are all trying to help. And sometimes, you know, the, what the director is able to do is simply say, as John's saying, well, have you tried putting a zero in front of that one for January? Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, maybe this is one of those times where if you find, if you need to log on and you can't log on, find uh, someone you know who has logged on and asked right. them. Uh, maybe that you know that may be one of those values of social media um, is being able to get together with a collective mind and figure out some of these problems of simply you know it's a new system it's going to take a lot to learn and right. you know I try not to growl and grumble too much at it um, you know, we did that all last week. Yeah, um, we got it out of our system. Um, I still kind of grumble at it. Um, <laughs> but I know that eventually it'll get fixed. Um, it's, I, I was talking to a director today, and I guess I came up with this analogy. Uh, if you've ever gone mud bogging with a truck, and... You've gone through a huge mud puddle. Well, we're we're in the mud. We're up to our axles. Um, 
really the only way out is to keep going forward. And we'll get there. Um, you know, I guess that's ultimately we're all in this together. Well, it's like I, I like to echo that lately because it doesn't that statement. We're all in this together. I doesn't saw ring that. Sure. That's mine. <laughs> hey. You know, we're we're basically one entity now with this podcast. You know, oh so, goodness, yeah, so I guess. Trade pretty soon, that. our brains are going to merge together. We're going to be walking around like Siamese twins. So, <laughs> no, John, you don't want that donut. Why don't I want the donut? <laughs> <laughs> Hush, you! I'm going to Tops. <laughs> so uh, let's move on to our topic for the week, since we've buzz through that news um and our topic this week is raising kids mainly bottle babies because that's what nate and i do i'm not gonna try to talk somebody through how to damn raise because i've never done it so um i i've i've done it but again it was you know 20 to 30 years ago um, basically this is gonna be uh kids hitting the ground your bottle raising what to do next so um first thing that you really need to ask yourself as a breeder is, do you want a dam raise or a bottle raise and what the benefits of each are? Um, for my point of view, it seems like any kid that's dam raised generally grows faster just because they have access to that milk 24-7 unless you lock the kids out at night so you can milk the dam in the morning a little bit. Um, but the kids grow really darn fast. Um, and... One of the downsides is unless you're super hands-on like our friends uh, Brad and Marta are over at We Go It, who dam raise and also supplement with bottles and also cuddle the crap out of those kids so they're super friendly. Uh, if you're not doing that most of the time, dam raise kids can be a little uh, spooky. A little, wild. A little spookish. <laughs> yeah, a little wild. Um, dam ra- or uh, Bottle-raised kids, you're going to see... Uh, probably a little bit slower of a growth rate than what you would normally get if you were dam raised, depending on how you do it. I've, I've found a way, and I'll get into it, on how I supplement uh, kids. Um, so they may grow a little bit slower. Uh, they're going to be super friendly, almost to the point where they're annoying as all get out uh, once they hit a certain age. Don't give me that look, Nate. You know it's true. Sometimes they are just super annoying. <laughs> Like, oh, please, no, I'm not I don't doing that. My pants ripped off <laughs> right now. Like, please don't bite another hole in my pants. Just leave me be and don't jump up on me. And if you're a guy and you're raising bottle babies, might not be a bad idea to invest in a cup. Just saying. Been headbutted a time or two and it does not feel great. <laughs> oh, it's not the headbutted. It's, it's when they go to jump up with both hooves together to stand up on <laughs> yeah. you and it, the hooves just hit in that special um bring you to your knees and make you cry location um, oh yeah so um there's been times where that- i'm bottle feeding kids and they jump up before they get the bottle and i'm downstairs tyranny is upstairs and she hears me go oh and she goes you okay and i'm like yeah i'm good <laughs> So, just be prepared for that if you're uh, bottle raising. Now, you know, you, you, if you're doing just purely bottle raising, I suppose yeah, there could be some growth issues. It, you know, you're saying you know they grow slower. 
I mean, there is. Yeah, the, yeah with the dam raised, when they're hungry, if the dam is around and she feels like standing still, they can take a nip here and they can take a nip there. Um, I know quite a few breeders, though, who have systems set up where they've got, you know, a lamb bar or a uh, feeding system, which basically makes the milk, either provides the milk, the milk at a, a cool temperature, temperature and they feed on it right then and there all day whenever they want they, there's no real feeding time it's just more of a refreshing of the milk right and well that's that's kind of mimicking a dam if you think about it it is except they're still bottle raised they're still raised by the humans they still see the humans as being one of the sources of food because they see the humans coming in and supplying it um and then there's the me mechanized units where you have, uh, you know, a supply of powdered milk and it mixes it, you know, as needed. Nate, hold on one sec. Yep. Sorry oh. about that, folks. Uh, <laughs> we're in the future. My, uh, my cat that's an outside inside cat was getting chased by either a fox or a coyote, so I had to go out there and get him in and try to get whatever it was, but couldn't find it. So anyway, sorry about that. That's country life. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, man. So, so anyway, you know, you, then you get these machines where you get the powder milk and it dispenses, mixes it and dispenses the milk out to the kid as needed. Now I suppose that they're probably not as tame or domestic as, oh, they're all domestic, but as tame or lovey. I don't know any, what? <laughs> lovey? Lovey <laughs> as pure bottle raised, you know, kids. Well, Caitlin Masseron Foley, who we had on the podcast, uh, she has a uh, system where the kids just walk up to the nipples and drink as much as they want. And her kids yeah. are pretty friendly. So it, it, I think it just depends on your setup and how much you handle them and all that good stuff. I I, I do agree. Um, you know, I, I, but I, because of those systems or like, I think our kids grow pretty quick. Um, yeah. We bottle raise. Now, do they grow as quickly as maybe if we left them on the dam? Man, if they grew quicker, that would be nuts. Yeah. yeah, I would grow pretty quick, um, but we are pretty intense on, you know, here we've got two-week-old kids that are being fed four times a day. Um, they'll Same. get moved here three times here shortly until they're six to eight weeks. When and do then, you usually wean your kids? We aim for 24 weeks. We aim for 24 weeks. The younger ones, the ones born in like May or June, may end up only getting 20. Um, but I, and I do believe you can see the difference in size. You know, I would you agree know with our, that. You've been in our barn. You've seen our, uh, our February kids. They got the full 24 week 
of milk, and then you've seen our yearling, our dry yearlings, who are significantly smaller than those that got the full 24. Um, we we took at we started doing that based on advice from a number of breeders, you know, you know Don George and uh, Megan Ogerson and uh, Brandy, and you know it's uh. The, I think the longer you feed them, if you're able to feed them full the full 24 weeks, they do a lot better. Um, and then we don't do just milk for 24 weeks. Probably at about, uh, I'd say, two weeks, we start introducing them to second cutting and uh, pellet, uh, starter pellet of sorts. So, it's actually a finisher pellet, but so what I do is I usually do. I think last year I did twenty weeks or so. Maybe it was longer. I lost track at the end just because they were growing so well, and I was like, "That's well, just a once a day feeding, whatever." Yeah. Uh, but we do. Carla kind of before she died kind of taught me a lesson as I was feeding her hay. Uh, she was right next to the kids. Um, if that was a smart decision or not, I'm not sure, but. Uh, they didn't get pneumonia, so it wasn't a you know bacterial thing or anything like that. Um, but she was eating hay. Like I, I would put the hay against the wire, and she would eat it, and the kids would pick at it at the other side, mimicking her. My kids are yeah. on hay now, um, yeah. and and I haven't introduced or I haven't introduced grain fully yet. I've given it to them a couple times, let them pick at it. I just because they end up when they're this young, they end up wasting a lot. Uh, more than they eat. Yes. Um, and honestly, I don't need that for my feed bill. So I give them some. I give them about a cup a day just to, for all of them just to kind of figure out. And then by next week, I'll start ramping it up a little bit as far as that goes. Um, the importance of starting them off on hay, especially and grain, uh, is that it helps build that rumen uh, yeah. and, and helps build a healthy rumen gets it working uh, faster and helps it grow and and helps it be just super healthy. Um, I've now, when I first started, I didn't introduce hay or grain as soon. And honestly, you could kind of see a difference in the thriftiness of those kids, right? Um, they weren't as beefy and bulky because they weren't getting that extra nutrition. Uh, and a couple of them, uh, for various reasons, which I'll talk about in a second, uh, weren't as healthy looking uh, altogether. Um, so that's my my two cents when it comes to why I offer hay and grain when I do. See, we offer a up here. We have the um, Blue Seal brand, and Same. Blue Seal has a. Uh, medicated uh, meat goat, a grower finisher pellet. It has a bit of anise in it, which um, helps with the palatability of it, makes them want to eat it. And Uh so for the kids, it's kind of a first grain. It kind of makes them want to explore it. It's got a bit of protein in there, a, a lot of fat, and... It's a good starter grain. Um, and, you know, it's 
you know, the Blue Seal meat goat grower finisher pellet. Um, if you're in the Northeast and you want to look that up, um, that's what it is. Um, that's what we use. And, and I think it helps get them started into the process of exploring grain and eating grain. Um, they'll be on that probably until they're about 20 weeks old. Yeah, and then you switch over to sweet? Yeah. Well, then we unless, start they're, unless they're a buck. Right, well, okay, now the bucks get different, are a different regimen here. Our bucks actually, we try to wean at about 12 weeks, actually. Um, mainly because we, a number of years ago, we purchased a buck from a, a breeder, and he, he actually had rickets. He had, he had a, a case of rickets. His front legs were kind of bowed out. And the vet that the breeder had worked with said, you know, it's a calcium issue. You know, he shouldn't, you know, and she looked and, oh, you know, oops, here he was 12 weeks and he was getting fed milk twice a day. And so she weaned him almost immediately. And uh, his legs started getting better. Um, And... Hmm. Um, eventually his legs come, we, you know, we bought him knowing this and we were, you know, we kept him on a low calcium diet, which is also good, you know, because it helps reduce the chance of urinary calculi, which is the mm-hmm. other advantage of feeding the meat goat growing finisher. It has ammonium chloride in it and thereby reduces chance of urinary calculi. We try to get the bucklings onto that sooner than the dolings actually so that they're you know once they're weaned they'll be getting that and hay and water and then we aim for weaning at about 12 weeks of age on them um and you know long story short in that buckling actually it's one you know i won't say his herd name but um given a few months later he was up at the ultimate buck show and he finished in three rings and best in show under. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was pretty okay, I guess. <laughs> uh, but you know, he did fairly well. Um, we're pretty happy with how our bucks do with this feeding regimen. I know, and I, it, it's not a cookie cutter thing. You know, I no, think everybody's got a thousand different ways to to cut this loaf of bread, right? Exactly. This is just simply how we do it. Uh, how I do it. Um, right. Now, some so, people also pan feed uh, milk their kids. Some people do like trough feeding milk. It kind of, it, everybody has to kind of adapt to what's going to work best for them. Uh, so it just so happens. Yeah. Right. Like you, you bucket feed your kids, right? I've With a, never. Well, a n- nipple bucket. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I've never had um, the patience enough to get them trained on it. I've tried and pulled out my hair and wanted to just sell all those kids as fast as possible. Uh, you know how it, we do it? What happens that? here about two weeks of age. So for the first two weeks, they get the red and yellow Pritchard nipples. Pritchard nipple. Yep. At about two weeks of age, we start switching that over for the gray, uh, well, the gray lambar nipple that you can buy from 
uh, well, you can buy it from Hager or Caprine Supply or or Hamby or you know, you yeah, buy, I mean, there's plenty you know, of people of that sell it. Those actually fit very well on a soda bottle. Yeah. Okay. And what we'll do is at about two weeks of age, we'll take because we'll, we normally have two bottles going. We never have one kid or rarely do we have one kid in the house um so we'll put a gray nipple on one of those bottles and we'll offer it to the two-week-old kids and eventually you know one of them will be like hey i can get milk out of this pretty quick and they love it and then after about a week you know they see the lamb bar and they go i recognize that nipple I can get milk out of that pretty quick. And they're on the land bar. I do know of breeders who train them like a week old to be on the land bar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've just never had luck with it, man. I just, so I just bottle feed. In fact, I got to get my butt going. I got to build a, I've got the plans and everything. I just haven't gotten around to doing it. Um, I've got, I've got a, bottle holder um that i could use to make and that way i don't have to sit there and feed three kids at a time i can three feed all of them at a time and call good um so what age are you disbudding your kids i tend to disbud my kids at 10 days old it seems to work out to be um it's generally when they've got big enough nubs to be able to get them disbudded this is a hard question for me <laughs> uh-oh. uh-oh i don't use a number well i, I mean feel, you, I, you go by feel I, I, I go by feel you know because you know you, you know you can have buck kids born and they've got they need to be disbudded at two days old you know it feels like they've already got horn buds coming, you know, peeking through the hair. Um, and but then you'll get these kids who they might not have a bud for like a week and a half, two weeks. You know, they're not pulled; they're just slow developers. And so you can't really, you know, to me at least, to say day ten, I'm just budding you. That buck kid who had it at birth might be too big by day 10 that doe kid who's just got little you know nubs hidden under the hair might be difficult to disbud Um, yeah so I, I, I hate saying a specific rule of thumb day right um so I, uh, I, I think just the way it works out for me, it's usually a week to 10 days. Um, I take mine over to actually Sally and Dave Grable's place, um, to get this budded. And it just, I mean, like Jem's kids were born last Sunday. I'm able to take them Thursday. That's my day off. And that's when they'll get this budded. And Dave does a pretty good job where I have yet to have like, a skur problem. I've had some that get like the tiniest bit of skurs and the biggest annoyance with that is that one of them, when you were showing them and had the chain, 
and you know the chain gets up near their head, you know, behind the ears, uh, I would hit my knuckles on that skirt oh. and and scrape up the knuckles, and it hurt. It was, it stunk. Tyranny and I, I would fight on who was going to show her, just because of that. I had so long time ago. Uh, Barb Reed had a tog buck she wanted me to show. I think it was um, at the Ultimate Buck Show. It might have been at the State Club Show in, in Syracuse um, before the two were working together. Um, but I sh- that buck had these skirts, and they just happened to be like right at the center, top, front, of his his head such that yeah as the collar was held up and for you to show he he would feel the pressure on the skirt which was my knuckles and then he'd rub his head back and forth across my knuckles i had bloodied knuckles by the time i came out of the ring oh, from the spot showing this buck and no and i'd switch hands and he'd just do it to the other hand and it was like okay if one hand's gonna be bummed up i'm gonna have it just be one hand um, but, uh, the only kids I think I've had that had, have had skirts this year, we tried doing the triplets that were born a little early and, you know, we said, well, let's try doing them early. Like people say, do them within a week. And there were these tiny little horn nubs and. I hit him, and I ended up with this buckling who had skirts, uh, which to me were unacceptable. So I ended up going back and redoing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and bucks are harder. Their their uh, horns grow uh, much more prolifically. So I know Vasquez, He's he was disputed pretty early in life, probably too soon, just because he had to get to me and he had to get disputed. Um, yep. and, uh, he's got some pretty wicked skurs. In fact, he popped one off or I had to finish popping one off the other day, um, which is always a bloody mess. Uh, so, and and then he's got a big one. Yeah. You get a, you get a buck that size, you know, if it was a young buckling, you know, he has 20, 30 pounds, you can get two people, you know, you and one other person and hold them and you might be able to cauterize it and thereby yeah. you know, prevent it from coming back. But when you're talking yearling bucks, you know, oh. That, oh. That's, that's too much. Now you need like you know, three or four people to hold under the buck while you're dealing with this, you know, iron <laughs> that's near 500 degrees. And Oh, well, even, even not like I, so to pull it off, I basically wait until I feed him and then try to grab it, which now he's smart too and sees my hand coming towards him. So he starts moving his head away. So then you're like petting him and waiting and then you yank it off and then he fights you like a train. And then you have to get blood stop powder on there because you don't want him to bleed too much. But and, you need to be oh. careful not to get it in the eye. Yeah. So then, so then you're just sitting there fighting wrestling this very strong buck uh it's a pain so if you decide that you don't want your goats to have horns i would suggest disbudding um and and if you're doing bucks 
Uh, there's certain ways, there's the figure eight that you can do and all these other things uh, to kind of prevent scurs. But it tends, I, I feel like if you own bucks, at some point you're going to have a buck with scurs. It's just going to happen. Yeah. You know, the other thing is, is to realize that when you're disbudding any of the kids, there's a horn growth material on that skull. And really, mm-hmm. that's what you've got to kill to prevent there from being scurs. That's why I think, you know, the figure eight thing works. Um, so, so when you're, after you disbud your, your kids, do you give them CDT before or after? Um, so we've kind of gone, we've discussed things with uh, Dr. Tatiana Stanton of Cornell and Dr. Mary Smith. And with the CDT, what we try to do is we try to do, so we, we give the CDT to the does while they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know? But because we pull the kids and we pasteurize the ki- the milk, they don't really get the benefit of the CDT from the dough or through the milk. Um, we actually end up giving it, well, you know, when we do it, when we talk to Dr. Stanton and Dr. Smith, they kind of agreed that doing it at, about four weeks and then six weeks and eight weeks is. You know, oh, you do it three times. Time. Yeah. Oh, I only uh, do it twice. I do it. I do it about four weeks as well, uh, which is right about when I'm going to tattoo my kids. Um, and then four weeks later, I do it again. Okay. We we will, uh, you know, when we do the tattoo or we do the tattoo, the, uh, just budding, we may sometimes give uh, tetanus antitoxin mm-hmm. just because, you know, a metal object going into, you know, the skin layer or, or causing a third degree burn, um, just kind of precautionary. Um, we also, when we go to do the disbudding, we'll give uh, banamine, an anti-inflammatory okay. and pain reliever. Um, so, I mean, that's what we do as far as tattooing, you know, the truthful (laughs) answer is, uh, we try to do it, have it all done by, uh, May 1st. We try to have, you know, except for the kids that are born after May 1st, Mm -hmm. um, pretty much done by show season, uh, over Hasla ears are these tiny I love Oberhusley. It's so cute. They're short and tiny and and stuff. The problem with Oberhusley ears is um, now we have a four-letter herd tattoo. You know, Same. Normally, normally. Yep. Um, and so I feel like you know trying to cram that herd tattoo into the Oberhusley ears without hitting so, veins. Well, without h- hitting veins, but making it so that when they're two years old, it's still readable. Yeah. And that person isn't like having to shove the light down by the base of the ear to, you know, read the whole, whole tattoo or that the tattoo is not up in the hairy part of the tip or, you know, so I yeah. usually try to wait a little bit, let the overhuslies grow. Yep. Same. Um, you know, sonnets have a longer ear. Um, now going back to the Overhuslies, I do know, you know, our friend uh, Brandy 
as well as a, a few other breed Oberhasli breeders will tattoo their keeper animals in the tail. Yeah, I, I've been contemplating doing it. I'm not going to do it this year, but uh, I might. I might end up doing that. I, I I personally have an issue with that. Just not a not a. I will never. Well, I, no, it isn't. I will never do it. But it, it's really kind of silly, kind of squeamish. Um, I used to have to help tattoo the La Manchas, mm-hmm. and those poor little Manchi kids. When you tattoo, you know the. The left web and the right web, and you know, getting a tattoo in your butt. <sighs> well, I, I'm sure there's some of our listeners out there uh, might have done the same thing in college, so they survived, <laughs> and so are these kids. <laughs> well, yeah, I, and I feel sorry for these poor kids. You're getting tattooed there, and I just, you know, on the other hand, the, you know, it's it's something you've got to be able to identify the animals. Um, now, do you do uh, coccidia prevention with your kids? I do, uh, and I do corid. Um, at least that's what I did last year. Worked really well. Um, I do it in their bottle. Um, it's like a half cc or something in their bottle for like a week, or I'd have to look up my protocol, which I don't have in front of me. Um, uh, but that's what we, we do. Normally, we try to do a, a calf pro. It's a additive you add to like a little bit to two or three, you know, two gallons or such. Mm-hmm. Stir it in while you're heating it up and you feed the whole crew, you know, this mix and it's in there. Otherwise, I mentioned the the grain that we try to introduce. Uh, why it's medicated it actually is because, you know, it's BT. Um we're dealing with uh, dealing with coccidia, yeah. um, and so we between the two, that's kind of our preventative. Um, and then you just you keep try to keep them in a clean condition and clean bedding and clean barn, and, mm-hmm. and hope hopefully you don't have to deal with that. Um, my my first year raising kids, I had a pair of kids that were pretty dumb on the bottle, just wouldn't take it very well. Um, so one kid, I at, well, both were just terrible on the bottle. One kid I ended up having to uh, tube feed. And dealing with those two small kids was with that whole ordeal was right when I gave coccidia prevention, and in my brain I said, oh, I gave all the kids coccidia prevention. So it turned out that I didn't, and lo and behold, the buck kid, who was going to be a weather anyway, uh, didn't grow, like, at all. He just kind of stunned it. Like, he was the size of a six-month-old kid for his whole life. Um, and it's because he never got that prevention, Uh not one of my prouder moments. You know, things happen. Uh, well, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, it, it it's something that's important um, if you want to have a healthy herd. And you know, I uh, yeah, we, so. we had a we had a doe um, who yeah, she just never really grew right, and you know, her littermate sister was 
you know, good 50 pounds heavier than her and, and maybe not 50, probably more like 20 pounds heavier than her <laughs> and, uh, grew beautifully. All of her, the kids from this doe have grown beautifully. Um, in fact, one of her daughters was our largest yearling milker last year. And now she's one of our largest two-year-old milkers. And so it's not, it wasn't a genetic stunting, but it was, you know, we were trying to figure it out and we thought, well, maybe it was that she would bred too early, but she was 85 pounds when she was bred and talking with, you know, other breeders and the general consensus was she had a, a low level coccidia infection. Well, I mean, coccidia yeah. is always there, but it was a higher eruption than, uh, than what's classified as normal. Right. And, you know, but low enough that it didn't manifest itself as, look, I've got a coccidia problem. Yeah, look, I have it, scours and I've, right. you know. It, instead, it was simply, as, like you're, you mentioned, it was a doling who just simply didn't thrive. And, you know, we couldn't quite figure out what was going on. The barn was clean. The pens were clean. Um, what was going on with this? yearling and we we believe that she had some kind of uh, coccidia infection that reduced her ability to grow properly well that and you know you can have clean stalls and clean everything all you want and you should um but if you are like many goat farmers you own chickens yep. and you feed those chickens and you collect those eggs and you do whatever so you're probably wearing the same shoes into your goat barn tracking that fecal matter that most likely has coccidia in it because chickens are known to carry it yeah um and it can a contamination like that can happen just like that and if you're going from chicken pen to kid pen and not spraying your shoes just with antibacterial you know bleach water or whatever um then yeah most likely you're carrying that bacteria in there and and if you're not preventing coccidia by treating your kids with corid or what have you uh then there's a good chance that they're gonna get it <laughs> oh no I, they, I, they I, will I, always get it first of all goats always have that in their system uh it's yeah, just it's, it's, they're gonna have a bloom that's the thing is the bloom and that's why i say it's, it's always there but you know what causes it causes the bloom um and again you know her littermate sister probably had it too, but mm -hmm. it never bloomed in her. In the the amount it bloomed, it never wasn't as much. Right. right. Um. So yeah, I mean, coccidia treatment, something you know, we all should be thinking about. Um, in one way, whether it's in the grain, whether it's in the milk, or whether it's you know some other means. Um. So we I, have we have quite a list of. Uh stuff for for raising bottle babies and and we're already at an hour um i think this is going to be a two-parter as far as as this subject goes because i think it's important for people to get a good start on uh for their kids and we have plenty of listeners that are newer that yeah. definitely want to have this information so i think that this will be a two-parter is um is there anything else you want to add about I... prevention or or anything that we were talking about? 
I I think we're pretty good. I think we've been, you know, overly thorough. <laughs> uh, so there there is a lot anybody on here. I <laughs> there is. Uh, I think some of it actually is stuff that may get covered. You know, covered in uh, yeah another episode or uh, simply you know asking other breeders things that they do for sure. Uh, you know, we are working on a uh, interview for later in the Wait, month. Is that later in the month, like in a couple weeks, or I believe we can always weeks. do. I've got, to, I've got to talk to talk to our guests and okay. And so we might even have part two next week, as far as kits go. Um, right. Anybody that's wondering, uh, the cat that was getting attacked by a fox or a coyote. Uh, was sitting in my lap for the last half of the uh, podcast, I, I, and I, was I didn't. Wondering if that was the one, <laughs> and I and I didn't feel it was definitely wasn't the fat cat. He would have been gone like a pork chop, uh, <laughs> but uh, he didn't have any bite wounds or anything on him, so he didn't get got. Um, but I definitely am about to walk my property and with a spotlight and see if I can see anything because I don't. Yeah, like take that. care of your animals, sir. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, um, <laughs> it does seem like a good point to stop. Uh, and if anyone has questions on this topic that we haven't answered already, be sure to um, comment. Oh, let us know. Contact us. Oh, I, I totally forgot. Uh, so we hit 500 uh, likes on our Facebook page. Uh, ringside and american dairy goat podcast um so thanks everybody that liked that uh we definitely have that as a listenership so it's cool that uh it seems like the people that are part of our facebook community are also listening in on the show uh and and joining in on the conversation on facebook so it's cool that uh we have already built such a fun community uh so thanks everybody that supports us there yes thank you but yeah, so next week we'll probably have part two of Raising Kids and and our little secrets. Uh, we'll probably even get into uh, how to prepare kids for show and what we do to train them and all that good stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Should we have Jen on for that? Is she the one that trains them? No, no, no. <laughs> That's like the, the, the nightmare-inducing thing of trying to train these kids. Collar train these kids, yeah. Well, you know, think about it. You know, what's happened here is, you know, the last set of kids who uh, were shown – for us, you know, now our two-year-old milkers, you know, they were shown as kids <laughs> two years ago. Last year's kids didn't get shown. Now they're yearlings. Oh. And now we have this year's kids. So we've got a, a bit of a backlog in kid training. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, I think mine are probably okay just because, I only kept so many, and you know me, I have to walk them and take pictures of them all the time. Uh, it's just yeah. what I do. So, even if it's Bye. 9 o'clock at night, and I'm like, Tyranny, let's get a picture of these kids. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was an internet meme made kind of like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so, so. Uh, but yeah, so th- this is a good way to, a uh, good spot to stop. Um, Again, everybody, happy Easter if you're celebrating, and uh, enjoy your week. Nate, thank you for joining me again. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for Anytime. sitting here while I was out 
uh, playing Elmer Fudd. So I appreciate that. <laughs> so everybody, this has been Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast is not an affiliate of the American Dairy Goat Association. All opinions or information regarding the ADGA does not represent the registry.